talking about all good things. But before we do any of that, Patrick, condiment, mustard, the sugar in the aspirin. Is that still the good? <laughs> the horse rolls a little bit. All the condiments. Uh, but, yeah, well, what's, what's been up to this week, Javon? Well, I, I, I just had a thought, and I think that we should all bring chalices back. Chalices? I think chalices should be a thing. Chalices. Not like not like, like, like a pinch, yeah, like a pinch, right? Yes, okay. but like like a name and a knowing and a knockoff of what that oh, yeah? pinch up. Like pinch ups are already all of that. Yeah, they're super gaudy. Yeah, yeah. but I, I want it to just people casually be drinking like a chalice. Okay, you know, just <laughs> go to a party and someone has a chalice with with fucking you know red flames all over it, mm. and you're going, okay, what's up, man? And they're like, because I just held my wine glass that I've not mentioned my the wine glass that I took out of the water glass yeah. uh, to drink water and suddenly I felt that I needed a medieval setting with yeah. like a jester and a lizard and a kid that took steps away but it, he accepts me I'll kill him oh like the whole situation yeah. Yeah. so you know I don't know I guess Game of Thrones Game of Thrones is casual chalice yeah, floating yeah. around in a goblet talking about while that with my girlfriend that hope that will come back very soon but it's not coming back to start doing it in section yeah, 19. 2019 yeah, I'm kind of glad that 2019 just last year and it's yeah, not it is, it is. yeah I'm kind of yeah. glad about that I'm, I'm glad I'm, the reason that I, I'm a huge fan of the show but I'm glad that it's over now and that it's about to be over because it's kind of with that thing it's like when you when you see something or you read something mm-hmm. and or you hear about something you're like hey this is really really good and you try to tell everybody about it and yeah. they're like I don't know whatever you're like well, well <laughs> fuck off like you're missing out yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. then everybody gets on the train and then it's just like all right well I mean it's good but you guys are just kind of shoving this book way too hard right. I'm, I'm getting off the train now and that just kind of how things go you know it happened with Breaking Bad happened with Game of Thrones mm-hmm. as soon as everybody gets on the bus it's just like oh, this bus is a little overcrowded yeah. I don't know if I agree with all of these people there's too many people here now it's the historification effect exactly exactly uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to trademark it as <laughs> because exactly that. Then it, it's not even like the show's fault it's just like the people that keep talking about the show mm-hmm. um, always just fucking like write it for no reason yeah like it's fucking I think my cat's going to come into the room oh man <laughs> yeah, the hipsterification effect is here. Thanks. Hey. <laughs> All right, All give right. me one second. All right, I can, I can, yeah, yeah, I'll keep it going for a second. All right, so, I mean, uh, so let me catch up on what I've been doing for the past couple of days and scenes. Idris Elba is going to be playing James Bond in a movie uh, coming up in, the, in one of the new James Bonds. We've been, like, looking forward to this for about a year or so. There was some, like, controversy of whether or not they were actually going to have a black James Bond. Yeah, like, there was Idris Elba. It was Elba, yeah. Man, that sex appeal of that brand just went up like 300. Man, <laughs> but I haven't seen a James Bond, mo- Bond movie in like two to three years. Really? What was the last one? Ooh. Was uh, it The Last Woman Crushing? Uh, and it might be longer than two to three years. Casino Royale? Yeah. Oh, that was like the fourth one. That was the long one. That was like it's, yeah, 2008. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, that's the last <laughs> one I've seen. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I haven't seen one since then. So it's like I'm going to actually see this now that Idris Elba is into it because, I mean, he's a really good actor. I like him a lot. So, I mean, but yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, no, I'm definitely down for Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. He's made some questionable movies the last yes, couple of years. Oh, yeah. Um, what was the other Stephen King adaptation? It was uh, Watchtower Dark, Watchtower. Dark, Watchtower. Dark Tower. Dark Tower. Dark Tower. That's yeah. what it was. It was Dark Tower, and then he made that movie where he's stuck in a snowy sort of landscape with this lady at oh, the train yeah, track. Oh, yeah. I'm okay for that, yeah. God, that fucking Not movie sucked. Mm-hmm. And then he did – he did another one that I don't know what it was. But it was great in story. That was, like, his latest yeah. recent film. Yeah. And he's got a – have you seen Looper? Oh, yes, the, the, yeah. British, uh, the British guy called Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. he's fucking good. Great he's so fucking yeah. good. Yeah. So that should be interesting. Oh, yeah. For 
like, is it a contin- do you know if it's a continuation or a fast reboot? I have no idea if they're going to like just start it fresh or they're going to bring it on as if there's no change. We don't even notice that he's black. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> gonna, what are they going to do about that? <laughs> you know? I, lo- I love the idea of yeah. like he w- he walking in and she was being like, hey, what's all going on? And he's like, are you not? Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be something kooky that's going to go yeah. on there like in a very British way of handling it too. <laughs> I, I bet. You know, so yeah. Fun. And that, that is, that's going to be nice to have some kind of comic relief in a uh, James Bond movie if uh, if it's a right. comic book. Casino Royale was the more like comedic, it the comedic relief one. I love Casino Royale. Okay. I think that's my favorite recent Bond movie. Bond I haven't seen any of the comic books. Uh, not in a while, I haven't. Yeah. So With uh, Pierce Brosnan, I guess, is the... Pierce Brosnan is the flick. Yeah. He's kind of like the my quintessential Bond. Like yeah. When I think of Bond, I think of Pierce. Yeah. And then I think of Casino Royale. Oh, yeah, Bond. Forgot about that one. <laughs> but fuck yeah, yeah, I just felt that way for Bond. Yeah. Like, congrats on your service, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I know him personally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you seen anything? Uh, yeah, actually, well, here's the thing. I got, I was, uh, we talked about this at Video mm-hmm. um, the other day, and I've been going to at least once or twice a week because I just pick something up, watch it, yeah. and have to return it, yeah. and then end up doing yeah. something, pick something up. up. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been doing that, and I've been watching a lot of sort of like late 80s early 90s sort of like exploitation movies okay. where they like take a genre and then just fucking ham it up oh man and it's been a lot of fun yeah. i watched uh i watched the lovebirds recently lovebirds um, okay. which is a movie about a witch that uses sexing to make men fall in love with her but then the men get obsessed, and she gets caught up in like a like a murder situation, and she kills one by accident, oh. and then everything just goes kind of crazy at the end. Okay, and like the reason I've been liking this movie so much is because the editing is so bizarre and stilted, and kind of just like, like if it was a big budget movie, you'd be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it's great in that version too. The same, but however, her spells work too well, yeah. <laughs> and she ends up with a string of hapless victims. Like they say, it's like it's like sex exploitation. Yeah. like uh, it's ridiculous. That sounds fun though. At one point, she like pees in a jar and mm. puts a new stamp on it, and it's like rosemary. Okay, and like at some point in the yeah, 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 at okay. some point in the movie, it's just like, what am I usually watching? <laughs> and uh. Uh, but it, but it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and this and is very well, 95% of Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> yes. written the name will tell. <laughs> it's a cult classic. Yeah, okay. Um, and, it's, and it's very good uh, in a weird, unusual kind of way. I want to see this. Yeah, this it's very silly. Like, for a movie to be rated that well, to be, like, that over the top yeah. in that genre. What is it, a drama thriller is this around? It's... It's something. <laughs> I don't, don't really know how to describe it, but it's something. Okay. It's, it's supposed to be a suspense thriller, I think. Okay. Um, but it's so kind of like that sexploitation cheese yeah. that I don't think it's thrilling, mm. but it's interesting, and I like it a lot. I, what, what I like about this this thing is that, um, like we were talking about it last week, mm-hmm. and just going to a place, so like someone someone's working at a video store, mm-hmm. he's going to give you, or he, like whoever's working there, yeah. they're going to give you like something that's not on the radar of not everyday people that's actually still very good. And sometimes yeah. you just walk in and you see an interesting cover and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And then you just take it and yeah. then you figure it out. That's that's kind of that's still like a weird area for yeah. me. I'm, I'm still kind of scared <laughs> of that. But it's like when a person like getting a recommendation from a specific person that like works in that area, and you just get something off the radar like that. Like I'm interested in that's people's 
they, they got those little, those neat little systems where they have clickers and headers. Yeah. And so it's like, Michael, like the, like, like you can see shit. Like, Pick him up with a nine inch. Oh yeah, yeah, it's fucking fantastic. Nice. And, uh, and you go and, and like, a lot of the time, if that employee is working yeah. while you go and check out, they notice that it's a clicker and it's yeah. like, oh, fuck yeah, I love that move. Yeah. And they'll just talk to you about it for a little while. I like that. And it's super fun. It's super fun. You go up there and be like, oh, you know what, that, that's Craig's pick. And, you know, <laughs> Craig doesn't really know shit. Let me, let me. <laughs> I should have put that one back. <laughs> so, I watch, so I watch a little clip. And then I've been watching, so I shoot a lot in Criterion, mm. but I think that really when I go to the Criterion website, yeah. I just stumble on a lot of stuff because, you know, that's like the movie people mm-hmm. know that I've mainly destroyed. Yep. But I've I've been watching sort of the Criterion selection, Okay. and it's been interesting. Yeah. I watched, uh, what was it? I watched The Color of Pomegranate by Sergei Karaganov. Oh, The Color of Pomegranate. Yeah, it's it's a it's a Russian. That sounds weird. The what? The weirdest thing sounds like. Yeah, it's it's a vague shade of red. (laughs) (laughs) That just is not horror movies. To try to figure that out, you know, there was a lot of controversy over the color of pomegranate. Some thought it was like a bit of a maroon. People, some people thought it edged too much on the purple side. Too a little too much, yeah. A little too much. Like, what's wrong with green? Green is a little purple. A little, a little purple. Um, (laughs) They got to the bottom of it though. They did. They did get to the bottom of it. Uh, and it was great, and I think it's a journey that everybody should watch. A lot of emotional cars and figuring out what the shit of color is. Uh, of pomegranate. <laughs> pomegranate. I didn't even know I was interested in that, but you know, <laughs> I, I can see why. You know, you would want to dedicate a movie to that. Yeah, it's a <laughs> solid two and a half hours. No, but what was, what was it about? Though? Oh, th- it's about, uh, so it's Sergei Karaganov, and it's uh, a Russian filmmaker making a biography about an Armenian singer who I forgot the name of, but something Navad, Navad Sagrad, okay. something like that. And it's an avant-garde film. The guy was also a poet. So he uses visual imagery in a weird soundtrack with no real structure mm-hmm. or anything held into it to communicate what the poems were about. And so it gives you a biography of what he did. Okay. And it's very avant-garde. Yeah. So it's not, it has no real structure or mm-hmm. plot. It has no real dialogue. Mm-hmm. Nothing really makes sense. Yeah. It's very bland. It's weird. It's a weird little performance art piece. It feels like a stage play okay. that a college student put on on a college campus. Right. Um, but it has a lot of symbolism about like Christianity invading Armenian culture and Armenian culture yeah. um, surviving sort of the, the onslaught of Christianity mm-hmm. that they have in their own culture. Okay. Uh, and it's like the symbolism is interesting and without any background into who the guy is or what you're watching right. you kind of sit going like what the fuck am I watching because mm. nothing makes sense but once you start getting some context out of it the symbolism starts to click and it becomes a much more interesting experience yeah something you really got to sit with for a little while yeah and, and so something that you might have to google after mm. you watch it or yeah. before you watch it and, and go ahead okay. but it was one of the picks of one of the, the ladies that worked there when I when I selected it, and I was like, "Oh, this really is like my level of interest." Yeah. So, you know, it's Criterion. Yeah. And people like think it's meaningful. I think the Martin Scorsese Foundation like gave it mm. uh, some like accreditation to go make it. It's not like a big thing. Okay. But, you know, it's it's in there. It's in there. Sounds pretty unique. Uh, yeah, I think you would absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of like what you're actually watching. Yeah. But the cinematic context is fascinating. So there's there's like yeah but in terms of like enjoying the movie it's mm-hmm. not for you yeah just watch it 
still yeah. run fast as hell. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And then I, I just watched it. I watched a shitload of movies. Yeah. A shitload of Japanese movies. Because uh, I watch it when I'm alone. Watch a movie called Tokyo Becky. Never heard of that. Which is a weird sort of Japanese erotica mm. type thing. Okay. The some girl that works as a call girl mm. um, or an escort gets some sort of hiccup, and then now she has to escape the hotel that she's in. Okay. So that was interesting. Um, oh what? Yeah, I I, I didn't get to finish that one because I w- it was like broad daylight and I'm in my room and it's just like a Japanese erotica so there's people with like fights over some Saturn and I'm oh just okay. like oh, they, oh. Really, they, really, they really get into it <laughs> yeah they, they <laughs> really get into it okay so that's kind of been my journey I just yeah. watch anything with right. movies so I'll, I'll, <laughs> bring, I'll bring back something you have a Netflix chick watching uh, this show called uh, Wild Wild Country that sounds familiar it's uh, produced by uh, J.M. Mark Dubois and um, it goes over like this, this story about a guy named Rajiv from uh, India, yeah. and uh, he had this like new freedom remedy, and it was this like sexual freedom, um, this gender freedom, uh, freedom of the mind. It was really like in the '60s, right around the hippie movement, yeah. and uh, he was able to to have like a quote unquote cult of about you know ten thousand people or so, and uh, through India, you know, people were coming through from America through to India right. to really worship this guy almost. Is this a documentary? Or yeah, it's like a documentary. Okay. Yeah. Um, I believe it's like uh, six or seven episodes, but um, the difference between this one and the one that I that I watched about the um, the guys that had the explosive on the chest and it was like a bank robbery. Oh uh, yeah, um, that was um, I don't know. I, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, um, but that was a four parter, I believe, mm-hmm. and I was like, that could have been a little shorter, you know, like two part, three part max. Right. Uh, this one is just so elaborate and detailed, and so many moving parts in it that I'm on like a part four of like seven or eight, and still really engaging, like just oh, an yeah. hour a piece. But um, like I said, dude, it, it's not. It doesn't come across as like the normal, normal cult following of people that just seems to be like the um, the more desperate, the more desperate part of humanity yeah. that's just looking for anything to you know to hold on to. Really, right, right. Um, these people were lawyers and uh, Harvard graduates and uh, what would be considered like the intellectuals of society. Mm-hmm. And then you're listening to them talk, and you know, after the fact, you know, this happened in the uh, the '60s and '70s. So after the fact, like hearing them talk about their experiences there, is it just really makes you engaged to the story because it seems like these people aren't just a typical crazy lunatic, you know, desperate right. type. It seems people. like they have sort of like a background to help them. Then. Oh yeah. So we get so we get to talk to talk to the people that are in these books. Yeah. Oh wow. yeah. 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 But I'm only I'm only a part four right now, and um, maybe they all uh, committed suicide murder. You know, this is this happened in uh, in Oregon. Well, uh, yeah, it started it started in India, and then the movement got so large that um they realized that they had freedom of religion and all those things in the United States. So it was like, all right, we can work the loopholes, and they moved into Oregon and moved a lot of people there, and they just start started become a nuisance for the state of Oregon because they had so many people. They were able to create their own city, able to create their own government within the city, able to make their own people police officers and have um. See, the moment uh, any cult has its own police force, mm-hmm. extremely shut down. They shut it down. They have a whole police force, and um, they were they had the vote. They were they were almost gonna have control of the entire town of Waco of Waco, and um, isn't that where fucking not Waco, Texas? I'm okay, sorry. Waco, yeah. Oregon. Or, yeah, yeah. Why do we have places with the same name in different countries? Yeah, this is like Waco. It's like a W A S C O. It's very similar though. But um, yeah, they were they were they they started to bring in homeless people throughout the entire 
did you not think for them to be able to participate and vote in Oregon that they would have control over the whole thing? I know the fucking story. Yeah. I know the fucking story. Yeah. And then they would send them to, like, they would vote and they would promise them things and then they'd mm-hmm. be like, hey, Tough Titties actually lied. And they would put them in buses <laughs> and just send them in Oregon. <laughs> and they'd just be in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so, like, Oregon had an an- like a really heavy homeless problem yeah. because of these truck drivers. Yeah. 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 No, oh, yeah. I know that story. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's, that's what I'm on about part four, but now to where they're just they're debating the homeless people through their tears because yep. uh, they had so many thousands of homeless people, and they didn't know what to really do within the end game, and they were attacking the people in the community. They just had a lot of mental health problems, so they started um, putting those sedatives in the beer that they were serving them, unbeknownst to them whatsoever. Right, right. You know, just debating homeless people just very illegally, but um, it, was, it was a very interesting uh, documentary so far that I'm watching. Marcus Davis Ross, I would check it out. Yeah, uh, Marcus Davis Ross. still gotta watch Facebook uh, Insider. Oh I yeah, really caught up on that. Yeah, but I've I've heard amazing things about the Black community on mm-hmm. Facebook. Oh, uh, Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this Oscars, did you hear about the Oscars thing yet? About oh yeah, yeah they're um they're gonna allow like the popular uh, mainstream one popular mainstream movie to go in. Yeah. Oscars. Well, it's a new yeah it's a new category just mm-hmm. like most popular films. Yeah. So, like people are angry at it. That's stupid. And I just kind of like I don't really care. I'm I'm happy that they're doing that. Yeah, like yeah. it's 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 an attempt at being more inclusive of films. But yeah. like a lot of the times the movies that win are just kind of like yeah, like crap. most people didn't even see it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of okay mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Uh, also, they're getting an earlier air date in 2020. Okay. I think they're airing in February 2020. Okay. So right. how is that going to change the season of like the yeah, movies that we get? I believe so. Um, I don't know, dude. Because mm-hmm. then like when when is the original air date? Do you remember? It's uh, it's closer to the end of the year. It's like November, December. Somewhere in November. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's gonna change how movies are released. Yeah, because we just yeah. we're gonna see the reverse now. Like yeah. it's like the the latter half of the year is gonna be the Christmas season. <laughs> oh god, it's uh, yeah, it's because of releasing. So uh, it depends on what the cutoff date for it is too. Yeah, you know, that's true. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays but out. But like, I'm interested in seeing how the Oscars happen yeah. now because they've lost 20% of viewership oh in yeah. the last one. Like, they just dropped name dropping. Yeah. For sure. So this is an attempt to like rekindle mm-hmm. those memories because it's basically in the middle of the holiday season. Yeah. For Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's it's interesting, but yeah. I'm excited for the popular films. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if they're gonna do it so that a movie that has been nominated for popular film can also be nominated for Best Picture and yeah. the other ministerial awards. Yeah. Well, I know that on paper they're staying, yeah? Mm-hmm. But I'm worried that be when a movie wins Most Popular Film, it sort of academically becomes excluded from the other entries. I mean, I, I, see, I see where you're going yeah. with, with that. But yeah, I feel like a movie that, that does win Most Popular probably just isn't going to fit the criteria of the other things that I'd be more willing to like want to see. Uh, like something that that what's what's the movie that I was I was really hating on the X Men movie, uh, the Infinity War. Yeah, infi- the, the Infinity Wars movie. Like that was, that that was Avengers. Avengers, yeah, yeah, the Avengers, yeah, Infinity Wars movie. So I'm like, if that could be something that could win most popular, that everybody could just vote and say that it's most popular, I'd be wanting something like that to actually be credible enough to win a Best Picture or yeah, yeah. A, a Best Lighting or a Best Editing. You know, not gonna happen. You know, but it's like you actually have to have those technical things to where it's like yeah. your lighting has to be better than everybody else in the field. But it's interesting because like a lot of those movies are not going to be superhero movies. But there was a point where a superhero movie was like 
like the third that tries to do it. And so, I, I, and like what I'm saying is like when we get another Dark Knight mm-hmm. in terms of quality, yeah. is that movie gonna be shoehorned into the most popular film just because it was a popular film, yeah. or are we gonna see it in popular film and Dark Pictures because it's in place? Which will hit demand. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm like kind of worried about about the Academy, but at this point I don't care enough mm-hmm. to like debate heavily about it. Yeah. I just kind of want to see how it plays out. Which yeah. is awesome if it plays out. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, I mean, I would like to see in a day to where something like Top Gun wins a damn Oscar. <laughs> and that's what we're going towards now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where something like that could happen. It could. Yeah. It could. Yeah. I don't really have anything else. I think yeah. we really just have a lot of fucking news. Yeah. Um, so we're going to shut it. And uh, welcome back. Uh, all good things. All good things. Um, let's see, the rundown on this is uh, it came out in 2010. It's been rated R film, listed as a, dry, a drama crime film, one hour and 41 minutes long. Uh, the rundown is heir to a real estate dynasty, David Marks, played by Ryan Gosling, lives in the shadow of his father, Sanford. He takes a chance at true love when he meets Katie, played by Kirsten Dunst, a woman of modest origins who sees David's real worth as a person, not just his family's wealth. Uh, David and Katie marry and plan to build a life together, but their once-loving relationship deteriorates after David gives in to his father's demands that he works for the family business. Uh, it's directed by Andrew Jerchecki. I believe that's how you say it. Jerchecki? Jerchecki. Jerchecki? Yeah, Jerchecki. Directed by Andrew Jerchecki and is written by Mark Smerling and Marcus Hinchy. It stars Ryan Gosling, Kirsten Dunst, and Frank Langella. Is Frank Langella the dad? Oh, that's the dad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, this movie did not, I was not, I knew nothing about this movie. I think it was my pick. Yeah. I knew nothing about this movie. Okay. No idea. And I, like, at first I was just like, oh, bet, this is like a cute, nice movie about a couple that falls in love. I didn't even read the fucking synopsis. Mm. And it, the movie just caught me off guard. Okay. It was, it was just like I was watching it. And she's like, okay, this is nice. This is nice, warm, and fuzzy. I'm feeling happy things. Okay. And then uh, somewhere near the half of the movie, it just turns into a fucking, like, suspense drama. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? Very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. was, it, was ve- it was a very interesting, like, emotional shift for me as an audience. Because mm-hmm. I knew nothing about yeah. the fucking movie. Yeah. And uh, I honestly, I think I love this movie. Okay. Like, a lot. I think I really, really like it. All right. Uh, the I like the setup that it has, like from the moment that the movie begins mm-hmm. to the moment where you kind of get the punchline that he's not Paul Berg. Oh yeah, yeah, he's uh, not. It's just a, it's just a fantastic like information delivery system for everything that you need to know about Ryan Gosling's character. Uh, yeah, they they take you down a journey, um, and it's it's based off a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that you if you don't know going in, it's kind of like when you watch something based on a true story. That's the beats of a movie is going to be set up like real life, and right, not yeah. so much how a typical movie is structured. Uh, so this movie, like you were saying, it starts off one way, and then there's just a dramatic change of tone in, in the entire movie. You know, it's yeah. just like what in the name of God is going on with Ryan Gosling's character? <laughs> but uh, this is something that was actually hap- playing out in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, you get going from a uh, someone coming from a very wealthy uh, family. I guess I'm going to like how his family got the money. So. Um, his his father's was grandfather in New York. They owned some property there, right. and uh, just as everything does, property you know continues to go up in value. Uh, they started renting out the property to like uh, porno shops and things like that, and making money from there. 
been uh, renting out apartments and mm-hmm. uh, things like that. They they eventually got became very wealthy and became like one of the like top five or so richest in Manhattan. Yeah, I think they yeah, say. Yeah. yeah. So um, so they living in that lifestyle and a super powerful family. Uh, Ryan Gosling just decided to separate himself from that, but we really don't know why at the beginning, you know, or what's going on, why he's separating himself like that. At about the 28-minute mark, um, you find out that uh, his mother committed suicide, yep. and he was there, and he's seen it from uh, being a child. Right, yeah, from, like, very young. Yeah. And, and this is the interesting part about the movie. I didn't even register that he was super wealthy mm. in the first, like, 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. I just, re- I just knew that his dad was, like, somehow involved in politics, so that probably that gets invited to. Oh, really? But we're introduced to Kirsten Dunn's character. Pretty much immediately, like yeah, the first, movie opens up and he has minutes. to go to his apartment, mm. fix a leaky faucet, and immediately you already feel sort of like the romantic tension between them, and mm. it's like really good chemistry, and you're just like, all right, well this is a, this is a romance movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he takes her to this sort of political mingling party. Yeah. That the dad's throwing, and the dad immediately seems like an asshole. Like mm. he immediately seems like the kind of rich politician. Super well off. Yeah, that yeah. type of guy. Yeah. And. You can feel like Ryan Gosling's sort of rebellious mm-hmm. streak from that. Like, he doesn't want to go to it. Yeah. He doesn't want to be involved with that. He finds this cute girl. And it's just like, oh, fuck it. Let's just move to Vermont and start a health store. Yeah, move away from it all. And and it all seems to work out really nicely for him mm-hmm. until his dad shows back up again and demands that he joins the family business. And that's kind of when, like, the movie starts for me, you know? Um. I, yeah, right. I guess for me, it started like somewhere around that time. Yeah, within that thirty-minute mark, um, thirty-two minutes to an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah, because as soon as they, I like, believe, like forty minutes, they show the first sex scene. I believe the only sex scene between him and uh, Kirsten Dunst. Right. And um, uh, shortly after that, then uh, they're talking about having a baby, and then he's saying no, uh, something, something's wrong. Well, that's with after me. they move back to New York. Oh yeah, when they yeah, move. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, when they move. So like, the like all the point until like they meet and they go to Vermont and mm-hmm. they're having a health store. That's like the first thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah. And there's no real hint of conflict, so yeah. I'm like, you're wondering like, oh, well, what's happening? Yep. Uh, what's the situation between these two characters and whatever? And they seem genuinely happy. Seems Ryan Gosling yeah. has no inclination of any mental illness whatsoever. It's just like in terms of like, like you know, like aggressiveness, beha- like aggressive okay. behavior. Yeah. Uh, and and it's all nice and nice. And then the dad shows up, and that's when the conflict is really introduced. Mm. And it's a really heavy way to introduce that concept. Mm. Um, because the dad immediately tells him like, "I don't think you're good enough for her. I'm subsidizing your lifestyle. Yeah. You need to come to work for the family business." Mm. And that hits Gosling home. Because of that hidden insecurity that Kirsten isn't happy. Like Kirsten's character isn't happy. Which wasn't true. You know, which the, wasn't true at the all. The father is just trying to manipulate him to do what he wants him to do, which is something that he's been able to do his entire life. Right. You know, which in turn, the parallel in lives, you know, him driving his wife completely crazy to the point to where she would rather die and kill herself in front of her family than to live another moment of the hell that she was going through. Right. Through that kind of pain. And uh, that's just something just showing how manipulative and powerful that the father is. To like, so you can't really take anything. I try not to take much away from Ryan Gosling's character, even though he became like a insane human being right. by the uh, by the end of the movie. The uh, the the real terrible person in this movie for me is the father. Same, you, you know, for you know manipulating and controlling all of this around him. Yeah, well, I feel like 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 Ryan Gosling's character is sort of a victim of the circumstances mm. that he was put through. Yeah, um, but. 
that's it's interesting because I don't feel negative towards this character, which I should. I feel I feel negative just because yeah. he didn't have to continue to go on, you know, with the the murdering of the wife. Possibly she's missing. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. know what's going on with her. The murdering of a childhood friend, mm -hmm. and the, the his father died shortly after that. Uh, the murdering of a guy that he met, you know, later on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. just like he, the things that he continued to do over and over. And oh, over, he's I'm a like, fucked up dude. Yeah, like I'm like, nah, it's yeah. like it's your fault at this point. But it's just like the the father was the brains of of all this terrible yeah. accident. So the deaths of his wife. Uh, the deaths of uh, Ryan Gosling's wife. Mm -hmm. um, everyone, everyone that's killed, I put you know him at the top as father, at the top as the yeah, orchestrator yeah. of all of this. Absolutely, um, but it, it's uh, that's around the mark, like maybe like twenty minutes after that, the dad shows up to the house and yeah. he sort of agrees to go back to the family business, which by the way is a great cut, when he's talking with the dad, Kirsten walks in and says, "Are you okay?" Yeah, and then he goes, "Yeah," and then cut to them selling the house. Yep. <laughs> it's just a great fucking. Yeah compression of time and the movie does this a lot mm. uh like when when they met and they're having that conversation that first night that they met where he ran away from the dinner and they're smoking a joint and talking okay and then from that i believe it cuts to him at her family's house yeah having dinner yeah. with the family yeah. and then he asks like will you marry me and then from that it cuts to them being married in vermont mm. and it's just like like the compression of time is really good because you get all of the information that you need from the edit itself, you know, like yeah. they say a thing and then cut to that thing and then boom, we're good. I, I like what happens in that uh, that time compression. Um, when uh, he talks to his dad, he says, like, uh, you're ignoring a very hard fact of life, David. She's never going to be one of us. And then David's like, I know. Isn't, Isn't that, that great? Nice? <laughs> you know? and he doesn't want to be her to be anything like what he's come from in, in his family, like his brother, like his dad, and like all these corporate suits that are around him. Right. And um, I, I just thought that was really nice. And um, what was that? Some, you ever when the, when the father came over, uh, that, like I said, that manipulative talk that he was saying to, um, to his son mm -hmm. to really get under his skin, it was like, um, uh, what, what did he say? Oh no no no! Uh, David, that was coming. Uh, David, mm -hmm. when uh, when he goes over to the family, he's having the dinner. Yeah. He's like, it's not awful. It's just different. People talk to each other, and uh, there's a ham with pineapple on it and little cherries. He's looking at these different things. It's like it's so different from what his life is actually like. And like you say, he just he proposes to her right there mm -hmm. on the swing set. It's just. I think he just wanted to get away. Like, he had that lifestyle in Vermont. He had the woman that was so much different, the, mm -hmm. the things that he really, truly wanted. And when his father got his hands back into it and pulled him back yeah. to New York and living that lifestyle, it's just ridiculous. And there, there's a there's an interesting parallel because it, they show that dinner scene with the with Kirsten's character. I forgot her fucking name. Catherine's. Kirsten, uh, Catherine's. Yeah. With Catherine's uh, family. And they show that it's all happy and good lucky, and that's when he proposes to her. But then later on, there's another family scene when they're celebrating the fact that she got into med school. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling wants to go home. Mm -hmm. And in a moment of rage, he grabs her by the hair and then sort of drags her out of the house. That shit was violent. It was it was aggressive. Yeah. I just like, Jesus. Yeah. Nick but Offerman, I forgot to say, he's in the movie. Nick oh, Offerman yeah, I from fucking a love his character. <laughs> he's sitting there just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he drags her out of the party in front of everyone. Poor, uh, poor Nick. His yeah. his like moment of breaking is actually the thing that made me break when he started sobbing in the car. Okay, that was the thing that made what's, me. What was that around when she was uh, about to go drink and drive? It was after she went missing. Oh uh, no, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But the parallel between those two scenes is that when before he has the lifestyle in Vermont, mm. he has that to look forward to. Yeah. So the the context of his family is a happy context. Mm. But after he comes back from Vermont and he's in New York. Uh, 
the context of that family dinner becomes a reminder of the thing that he couldn't have. Mm. So it sort of agitates him and makes him uncomfortable, and which is why he wants to leave, sure. which is why when Kirsten defies everyone to leave, he gets aggressive. Because I feel like the, 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 the social thing in there is just like, this is now not a reminder of what I can have. Now it's a reminder of the thing that I cannot have. Yeah. It frustrates him. Yeah. And, and, I li- and I like character moments like that. And that's really the first time that we see Ryan Gosling be aggressive without any so like he had the moment when Kirsten told him about like does he want kids and mm-hmm. it was just like no and then he gets angry and throws the chair against the wall yep. and that but you see that as, as first it's kind of like all right well that was a he had a mom that killed herself mm-hmm. we kind of know this information so this is just a reaction to that because he doesn't want to deal with those feelings mm-hmm. so you kind of learn how to justify that part okay and then but this is the first moment you go like oh oh that's not okay no when when she pulls him by the the hair it was just like oh that's not okay yeah and the movie had inclinations of turning into a sort of pseudo horror movie before that Mm. but that's the moment that the movie just drastically shifts down uh, you can you can kind of feel it you know happening too a little by little like uh, my moment for the, the the switch was the abortion and I believe that's right before the hair pull, I believe. No, that's after. after. That's after. Oh, yeah. The, so, yeah, the uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, the hair pull happened, and I'm like, wow, that is violent. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the abortion was just like, all right, there's no redemption really for him. I don't believe in this movie or this this character. Yeah. You know, not really knowing who, uh, who the, what's his name, uh, David. Not really no, you might be right. The abortion might, no, the abortion is before that. Okay, the yeah. The abortion is before that. Yeah. 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 Like, that's, that's, where, that's where it really uh, hit me for it, because, mm-hmm. like, they, uh, me, but you can ask me anything. It's like, I'll do everything for you, you know, it's just, but don't ask me that, you know, and she, she starts sobbing and they, they set the date they go to go into the city to get the abortion. Mm-hmm. And then he bails at the last minute. Yeah. And, and again, at the, at the suggest of his dad, mm-hmm. you know, like get the fucking cash from whatever place you need to go. Yep. And he feels so manipulated by the father that he kind of bails yeah. on him. And, and that's when their relationship started deteriorating yeah. at that point, yeah. And there's a quote from uh, from Kate. She says, uh, my father always said to only regret the things that you didn't do, uh, not the things that you did. Uh, but I had an abortion, and I don't know if that's something that I did or I didn't do. It's a fucking great quote. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she is just torn apart. Like I said, she, she has to have this abortion from a man that she loves. And, like I said, he doesn't know. He thinks he's not doing right by her by not having her in New York and giving her, right. you know, a nice BMW and uh, the luxury things. He gives her all the luxury things. She was like, I don't care about all those things. I care about you. Right. you know, we can go back to Vermont. And we can go anywhere. Like, I want to just, I want to be your wife and raise your child. And he's just torn himself. It's like he, it seems like he ju- does genuinely love her. Yeah. But like I say, he's being manipulated by the father and trying to influence her. No, this is what she wants. This is the life that she needs. Right, and yeah. within himself, with the not wanting to have a child, he's, what happened to his childhood? You know, seeing what happened to his mother and then the life that he had as a child. And she tells him it won't be like your, your childhood. And mm-hmm. to this moment in the movie, he's never discussed any of his childhood with her. Right. You know, we get all that information from one of his childhood friends who is who introduces her to cocaine for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was a <laughs> an interesting yeah. scene. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't her. That was uh that was she's the one that get ki- that gets killed. Yeah. The one that introduced her to cocaine is played by Kier- by the um, wig. 
Oh, that's all Crystal. That's the one that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, they see her at dinner and the uh, yeah. one of her friend, the uh, fucking Ro- tone deaf, fucking yeah. idiot. Ryan Gosling, one of Ryan Gosling's <laughs> friends, yeah. uh, or a guy that he works with, one of the classic bombers, a friend, uh, just comes and sits down while while Kirsten Dunst is just looking just mortified. Yeah. This is right after the abortion. Right after, yep. Yeah, and just can't sense that at all. So uh, takes her to the bathroom and then they do a line of coke and. Like just like she said, whatever you've been thinking about now, you're not gonna be thinking about it, you know. After that, right? And that just st- starts her spiral into not wanting to deal with the reality that's around her anymore either. Yep. And the here's an inter- like after the abortion, it happens s- like subtly after the abortion, but the movie starts as Ryan Gosling's point of view. Mm-hmm. The movie ends as Kirsten Dunst's point, well, of, point of view. Uh, well. You're right. It doesn't end. Yeah, it starts with Ryan, ends with um, Gosling, but yeah, it does. It uh, shifts switch, to it shifts, Kirsten yeah. Dunst. Definitely does. There's a lot of like main character shifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like we follow Ryan Gosling for a while, and then we follow Kirsten Dunst yep. trying to deal with the fact that she now has to get a divorce. Her husband's abusive, yeah. ragey, whatever. Things not working out. Yeah. And and then. But God, I forgot how much how much things happen after Kirsten Dunst disappears. Oh yeah, there oh, was yeah. a lot. There was yeah, a whole another like thirty, yeah. forty minutes. Yeah. Um, but like the moment when she like goes to the office mm-hmm. and she's like, because she wants a divorce, but she can't because she won't get any money from the divorce. Yeah, the way the way that the family has it set up to where um the individuals they don't have any money themselves. It's right. all set up into a uh, like a trust. Yeah. So if they divorce, I mean, you can take half of whatever he has, but Ryan Gosling himself has nothing. Right, so yeah. you, you divorce him, you're not going to get anything. And she's in a pinch because she got into medical school. Right. And, you know, without, you know, David's money, without Ryan Gosling's money, she's not going to be able to finish her degree. And uh, so they say if, if you want to get something out of this, you got to find a way to uh, motivate them to yeah. give you the money. And so she goes into an office and she steals financial information that ties into, like, the CD underground of the city, yeah. which is the thing that the police was looking for. Yep. And that's uh, the tension building in that moment is, like, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and they give us like a the she's in the office looking through the files. Randall's in the office, and they give us this like this fake uh, jump scare essentially when mm-hmm. like the secretary knocks on the door and she's like, "Oh fuck, I'm going to lunch." Uh, <laughs> she's like, "Jesus." Yeah. Uh, but like the tension in that scene is amazing. The way that they build tension, the way that they sort of show these really intense close-ups yeah. of things that are happening, things happening manically. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then the building of that tension carries on. Until Kirsten confronts Ryan Gosling for the last time at the house, mm. uh, when she finds the bloody handkerchief that her dog wore, yep. and that's kind of for me that's like the best chunk of the movie, mm. when we shift from Gosling to Kirsten character to Kirsten's character, and then we just see that whole we just see Gosling deteriorate in her eyes, mm. as it's just like it's beautifully delivered, all the cuts are fantastic, the cinematography is. Is gorgeous. We see Kirsten's character deteriorate herself, um, but we're rooting for her, and it's ev- it just becomes very sad as a result. There's something that she says. She says, uh, "I've never been closer to anyone, and I don't know you at all." Right. You know, just something to show like how desperate her situation is. You know, she had just moved into the apartment that she had moved into at Sunday, so like three three yeah. days or so. She believes she said uh, from her mother's house. Mm-hmm. You know, just to show like how fresh and how green she was to the area. And she's immediately, you know, met by Ryan Gosling, by uh, by David, mm-hmm. and they they get married, and it's just boom, she's into this life. You know, she knows no other life, you know, out in that area where she's at. 
and now she's giving and dedicated years, you know, to someone who she feels like is the person that knows her the best, who she knows the best, right. and the partner. And now she's just stuck with this. Have I been living a lie? Like all of this, just mm-hmm. you know, so it, it becomes all bad for her at that point. Yeah, it really does. And then there's another sort of tonal shift that I enjoy after Kirsten's yeah. character disappears with Ryan Gosling. With yeah. with like yeah, we return to Ryan Gosling, yeah. but now instead of being sort of tense and suspense like because we the movie really portrays david mark as the killer mm-hmm. of kirsten dunst like there's no going around well yeah the, the the moment where i believe they were really trying to let us know in almost no certain uncertain terms mm-hmm. where they have the um they're having drinks um yeah. the david and his dad they're sitting down just having drinks and he's confronting them about like what happened when mom died like why didn't you bring me in the house right. all you had to do was bring me in the dad says um i told the butler or the maid you know to bring you nanny. in you're the nanny and he's like no you didn't and then it gets tense because you think maybe he's this is going to get violent right. you know, the dad tries to get up he shoves him back into the chair and the uh, the dad finally admits he said um i thought that if you were out there then she wouldn't jump right and again showing that manipulative mm-hmm. side Try, of him. trying to manipulate exactly yeah, yeah so um it, it's showing that so it's like that's i forget where, where i was going with um with with that particular scene, but um, that that's I really it was. Well, it th- that's that's kind of like the 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 tonal shift mm-hmm. because you expect all of the aggressiveness that we see on Kirsten's point of view to translate into the end of the movie, and mm-hmm. then that lead us into the climax. Yeah. But what happens is after Kirsten Dunn's disappearance, Ryan Gosling goes to his father's house, and then we see a de-escalation of aggression. Oh yeah. And and that's confusing emotionally yeah. because yeah. a normal like another movie would have just made that uh, aggression escalate mm. and sort of portray Goslin as the insane psychopathic killer yeah. from that point on but what they actually do is like they reel back and they put him in this weird emotional box mm. where you know he killed Kirsten yeah but the movie doesn't tell you that it killed Kirsten oh yeah that's that's what I was going to the um how, how they kind of told us there as uh while while he's confronting them there mm-hmm. he was like you need to go home go home to your wife and then he was like, uh, she's gone. Yep. I'm just like you now. Yep. You know, so it was ba- basically like, I'm just like you. I've driven my wife, you know, to commit suicide or to, to where she's, I have, my wife is dead now. Yeah, yeah, Basically yeah. is what he's basically trying to say there. And Which is so gr- such a great moment. Yeah. Just like a great way to reveal that mm. the wife is dead, but also like the entirety of the movie was about Ryan Gosling not wanting to be his daddy. Mm. And then that's the moment when he's just like, well, I guess, I guess I'm, guess I'm you now. Yeah. So you hope you're fucking happy. Yeah. Uh, and and that 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 is really is a great moment of like cinematic tension relief. Yeah. You know, because the movie doesn't tell you, yeah. and that's the only time that movie really does tell you until the very end, mm. where they flash back to the dad opening the trunk of the car, mm-hmm. and it's just a close up on his face, and then cut to credits. Yeah. Fucking genius. Yeah. The un- the other thing that I really love about this movie is the way that it's structured, mm. because the whole movie is a flashback, yeah. and we're seeing a flashback from. David Marks in present time mm-hmm. uh, talking about the murder of Malvern, which is the guy yeah. that he met when he after he killed Kirsten's mm-hmm. character uh, and moved to like this tiny apartment town down just as a woman. Yeah, um, <laughs> let's not <laughs> overlook that. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, a mute woman at that. A mute woman, yeah. yeah. Bizarre choice of disguise, mm-hmm. but whatever, Marks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, do you do you believe that he uh, thought you were mute? He's like, probably not. <laughs> do, you, do you believe you ever thought you were a woman? Yeah, I, I, I doubt I'll, it. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, l- I like that the movie stole from, like, that flash forward. And we, nev- we don't really see 
all David Marks until about the halfway point. Yeah. Everything has become narration until then. So there's really there's really this great thing where like the feeling where the movie knows what happened. Yeah. And the movie knows what it's going to tell you, but you as an audience don't know yeah. that. So you're waiting. It creates tension because you, you, you're theorizing in your head about the things that are happening. And then you're waiting for that courtroom scene yeah. that, is, that breaks your theory or makes your theory. And like it's 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 a great sort of like meta narrative way to deliver information, yeah. uh, and and I really 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 fucking dug that. And I like that the further we get into the flashbacks of the movie, the yeah. closer we get to David Mark's present time in the court. Yeah. I think it shows a great progression of time, uh, and I like that we follow David Mark's as an old man in the court, yeah. uh, and like shooting like the killing of Malvern Malvern and all of that. Like I love that that happens close to the courtroom date. Yeah. Uh, cuz I think it's just a great progression of time and just years. My my favorite moments about this movie were the last uh well somewhere in the last 30 with uh, his relationship with Malvern. Right. Uh he's presented himself as a as a mute, but he just kind of spies on Malvern a little bit through his uh through his door, yeah. like seeing just seeing how aggressive that he gets with people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I don't know, I might might kind of like this guy." So they start, <laughs> they start hanging out. And uh, still not talking or anything, mm-hmm. and they go out to a gun range, and they he sees Malvern shoot, and he was like, "Where the hell did you learn how to do something like that?" <laughs> <laughs> the, the first time that he speaks, you know, to him at all, or yeah. well, the first time that we get to see him actually you right. know, speak to him, because up until that point, he's a mute, and they're just hanging out and you know, yeah. going places. And we get the feeling that the relationship built off camera, yeah, too. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah, yeah, because I think they're seen in like a grocery store, and mm-hmm. just just show him in different locations, so right. it's like a uh, time is going by, and they're spending more time with each other. To the point to where they're s- trusting each other, and they're seen with this very what is he with a veteran? Oh yeah, he tells a story about him being uh, a veteran in North yeah. Vietnam. Yeah, it's like to Shooting where they're coconuts, at, yeah. purple heart, <laughs> getting a purple heart for being sunburned. You know, <laughs> so they're they're he's he's like telling like his his truth of truth. You know, like right. bearing like his truth out there and uh, letting him know it's like I disappeared years ago. So I'm very similar to you. I just came out here to disappear. Right. So um, eventually he convinces Mal Malvern to kill one of his childhood friends who is trying to kind of exploit him for money? Deborah. Deborah. Because yeah. Deborah helped him yep. after the disappearance mm-hmm. of Kirsten Dunn's catcher, which we don't see until the very end. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's witnesses that Kirsten Dunn was seen in the apartment, like, yeah. after she supposedly disappeared. Mm-hmm. Turns out that it was Deborah dressed as Kirsten. Yep. Uh, and weird, that's yeah. a really, really great reveal mm-hmm. at the end. Because the whole time you're wondering, what the that. Yeah. And I thought it was at first I thought it was gonna be Gosselin in disguise oh. as Kirsten. Okay. Because uh, dressed yeah. as a woman, not, right? Yeah. Just what the fuck? Yeah. Um but yeah, so she's trying to essentially blackmail him mm-hmm. for money. Yeah. And then he just goes. And he's like, not nah. having it. He's nope. like, nah. nah. And it, and, it, and it shows something that how how tight they are with money throughout the entire movie. You know, something like that right there. It's like she calls him just kind of she tries to be a friend about it. She was like, mm-hmm. hey, I hate to say this. And then they show her. She's like, um, I don't have a car. And, and um, I'm in Los Angeles. My car's broken down. I can't do yeah. this, this, and this. And then they cut to her. And then they show, like, no, she's serious. Like, right. she actually does hate to ask for this money. But, like, the situation that she she's in, and she's having reporters call her, police mm-hmm. call her. She's being, you know, just antagonized, you know, every single day. She needs more with him to able to cooperate, you know, to what right. she's doing. And he's not coming up off of it. And I like a scene earlier in the movie when um, the dad and Kirsten Dunst's mom mm-hmm. and Ryan, they're all having dinner. 
and um, afterwards, and they're all laughing and, and having fun. And then the check is brought up, and the dad says, "Yeah, that'll be a uh, thirty-nine fifty for a split yep. four ways, uh, plus a very generous tip." Yeah. And then it's just kind of a pause, like, "What? Like he's super rich. He owns like half of New York. He's gonna make us pay for our own dinner." Yep. And it was like, "Yeah, how do you think he got to be super rich by not like spending money that he doesn't have to spend?" You yeah. know, so it's like that just goes into you know Ryan Gosling later. It's like, "No, I'm not gonna give you more money. If I can find a way to not do that, I'm gonna do that." You know, so um, just in following in his father's footsteps, just being very manipulative, and he had he manipulates Malvern to kill uh, Deborah. Yep, and and he does this by because he knew that Malvern was being evicted, and it shows like the progression of that this character's psychopathy. Mm. You know, like he he trusts Malvern to think that they're gonna buy a house together, that he's yep. gonna help him out, yep. and then just ghost him as sh- as soon as Hell he yeah. kills Deborah. Yeah, and then it drives Malvern a little bit mad. Yeah, and, and then it it leads to the murder of Ma- of like Malvern, mm-hmm. which is what leads him to the courtroom, which is what leads us to knowing about this entire movie. Mm-hmm. And I love how all of that ties together. And I just it just think in terms of structure, it's very 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 sound. I mean, he he has the 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 money that this this guy has. He mm-hmm. was able to get away with one, two, three, three murders, murders yeah. and not be convicted of any of the, any of it. And at the worst, they got him for for improper disposal of, of a human body. body. Yep, like, which is Malvern's body. Yeah. So and it's like, oh well. So why didn't you turn yourself in? You know, if it was self defense. You know, I didn't think you guys would believe me. So uh, I had to chop the body up <laughs> and put it in plastic bags and dump it in the fucking ocean. You know, the river, or whatever. It was like seriously. Yeah. And, and you get like nine months in jail. You know, for three murders, basically a kidnapping, murder, and chopping the human body up. Yep. Like improper disposal of a human body is like that should be more than a year just in itself. I've, I've, I. The thing is that there's no degree within that charge. Mm. Like, that could be just, like, leaving the body on the street. Exactly, yeah. Or easy. it could be mm. just fucking wood chipping it away. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like a, it's like a passive type yeah. of way that you were involved, but kind of passively. Yeah. And a lot of the times, that's the, that's the charge that they use to book somebody so that they spend enough time in jail so that they don't get away mm. with the actual murder that they're investigating. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I yeah, it's fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that the movie was based on a true story until the very end. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like, oh, that really sucks mm. the, the entire time. But I, like... The tension delivery for the movie, the suspense, the dialogue, the character moments that we get. Mm. We truly get character development from the tiny things that the characters do, which is absolutely fucking amazing. Mm. And I love watching all of that. Uh, and I think, and like, the moment where Nick Offerman's, they're looking for Kirsten. Yeah. And Nick Offerman's character, like, puts a flyer in, and then he starts trying in his car. Yeah. That was, like, the moment that I just, like, fucking got for me. Like, I was genuinely sad at that moment. Yeah. And then that time skip is my favorite because it goes into this poster mm. and it just shows the shows the poster degrading over time. Yeah. And it's just like, if you talk about compression of time, about having a clock in your movie, mm. this movie does that so fucking gorgeously. Oh, yeah. And it's it's kind of my favorite part about the movie. Like the technicalities like, of it, yeah. Yeah, like just the editing choices, the mm-hmm. compression of time, the mm-hmm. flashbacks, where they would like intersperse narration to communicate really big chunks of information. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a fantastically written shot and delivered a story. Yeah, I mean like I said they they technically hit the marks and yeah, that's yeah. something that I'm looking for in every movie that we're doing for the show is this can you hit all those technical marks first, you mm-hmm. know, and then put enjoyment in there after, you know, but like they're hitting they're hitting it. Yeah, they're hitting it. Uh I don't think I have anything I mean anything else to say about the movie. I yeah, pretty oh much yeah, well I think we covered it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, me a coffee. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Coffee instead yeah. of soda. Yeah. Just fuck soda. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
Yeah, no, I would I would give this movie like a solid. I'm, I've been giving a lot of movies like really high scores lately, mm-hmm. but I think I'm gonna give this movie like a nine. Shit, I think I'm gonna give it a nine. I think I really enjoyed this movie. All right. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm around I'm around a seven. I think about seven. A seven. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because like I, I think it hit it hit all the marks that it's supposed to hit. It um. It's it's a different type of movie. Like I said, if you don't know that you're going into something based off of a true story, mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of context that you would need to get the full enjoyment out of it. And with that, is like I said, um, I, I think you just kind of know what you need to know what you're getting yourself yeah. into because on the first watch, it seems like this is a love story or a romance between um, Kirsten Dunst and Ryan Gosling, and then she's not a part of the the last movie. It shifts perspectives a bit, you know. It kind of yeah, it's it, got it, three real big perspe- perspective shifts. Yeah, 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 it shifts perspectives a bit. So it's like on the first watch, it's you're getting all the information, but it's just trying to put it all in to and understand it all. So it's like it's a seven because it's not bad, and you can definitely watch it again mm-hmm. and again because it's hitting all the marks technically of yeah. a good movie. I uh, the reason I, I give it a nine just because the emotional journey that it like brought me as an audience member. Oh yeah, the movie did an excellent job of manipulating me and making me feel the things mm-hmm. that the movie wanted me to feel. Oh yeah, the cinematography was gorgeous. It looked really good. Uh, the editing was spectacular. I loved the editing in this movie. Oh yeah, and I loved how every character was there for a reason mm-hmm. you know like in, in one of these movies it's easy to like have characters it's like show up character, and yeah. just whatever mm-hmm. but in this movie every character does his purpose they have their lines they oh do yeah. their thing and like i feel like like a lot of movies you can say like all right i would trim this bit of fat off mm-hmm. here this bit of fat off for this movie i can't immediately think of anything that i would trim off mm-hmm. and any or anything that would make my experience better than it already was yeah. watching this particular story so that's why I get the nine for me. Yeah, it yeah. seems like they they trimmed everything off that they could. It's like it's less yeah. than two hours, an hour and forty four minutes. Yep. You know, so it's like it's not much you can take off of it, and it definitely has a lot of replay value. Fuck yeah, um, I really, I really, 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 really like this movie. That's fine. Um, that's so, fine. but we're done talking about it, so we're gonna cut <laughs> and we're gonna go to a television and movie. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I didn't know that dude was uh, Denzel's son. Right, I didn't know Denzel had his fucking son. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Whatever. I hope oh it's yeah, good. Man. I hope Me it's too. good. Definitely. Um, welcome back. Television and movie premieres. Hey, hey. Uh, television and movie premieres this Tuesday, August the 14th through Monday, August the 20th. Uh, the first show is going to be on Friday, August the 17th. It is Disenchantment. It's an animation comedy from Netflix. Uh, the latest animated series from The Simpsons creator, Matt Groening, is basically Futurama. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen about this. This was like a big thing like two months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's finally coming out this Friday. Uh, they said it said it's basically Futurama, but for fantasy rather than sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, so Abby Jacobson, you may know her from um, Broad City. Oh uh, yeah. Nate Thaxon. She's the she's the curly-haired one, right? Or is she the the straight-haired one? I couldn't tell you which. I, n- okay. I love the show, but I couldn't tell you which one is which yeah. by name. I was getting confused too. Yeah. But uh, Abby Jacobson's in it, and uh, Eric Andre, uh, <laughs> he's going to be in it as well. And they said a lot of the Futurama vets are going to be in there. So nice. it's uh, 10 episodes all streaming this Friday, August the 17th, Disenchantment. Is that on Netflix? On Netflix. Nice. Yeah, so definitely check that out. Or not. Like, I can't really get a I – don't, I don't know yet. Here's mm. the thing. It's made by a person that has made two of the biggest culturally relevant shows yeah. Oh yeah. of all time, like Futurama and The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's I kind of have to check it out. It's worth a shot. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I feel about it either. I just, it just kind of, you just kind of have to watch it. Yeah, yeah, and find out. Yeah. Um. So that is Friday, August the seventeenth on Netflix. Disenchantment. Uh, the next show is going to be Sunday, August the seventeenth. The last Sharknado. 
it's about time. Oh, fuck. Finally, <laughs> the last one. They've thrown in the towel. Yeah, it's the last world. They say it's the last one, yeah. but who knows? There's going to be like a last, last one. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, the last, last. Cause <laughs> it's part of the brand now. Like, they <laughs> yeah. can do that. <laughs> they can do whatever they the want. The last, last, last. We're serious this time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, that's my favorite naming convention. Like, those kind of like cheesy mm-hmm. horrors. Yeah. Uh, because have, have you heard of Thanks Killing? Thanks Killing, no. Yeah, so it's a movie about a, a, a Thanksgiving turkey mm-hmm. that gets possessed by a demon of some sort. Okay. And is now taking revenge on, like, just humans in general. He just starts killing humans. Mm. Is, uh, is the turkey aware of, like, um, the plight of his people? I, I think so. Mm. I'm pretty sure. It's been okay. a while since I've seen it. Okay. It doesn't really matter. Mm. It's a turkey killing people. Yes. Uh, and so one, there's two notable things about the movie. Mm. One, one of the lines in the movie is gobble, gobble, motherfucker. Mm. That's an actual line that yes. someone says in the movie, at least the turkey, okay. before he stabs somebody in the stomach. Uh, and then the other notable part is that the movie goes from Thanksgiving yeah. to Thanksgiving 3. It's so bad we skipped the sequel. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I like that. I love those like 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 movies that are taking the piss. <laughs> they know what they are. Yeah. And then it's just like, listen, this is a movie about a turkey yeah. killing motherfuckers. Yep. This is all you're getting. That's it. You don't need a second movie. No. You're going to go right to the third. It's so bad we just went ahead and skipped <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can see all that. Yeah, so they they can run the last Sharknado for three, four, five more. Yep. But uh, this is a <laughs> the way they have it listed as drama? Yeah. <laughs> Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, listed <as laughs> <laughs> it's listed as a drama? I love it. I fucking love oh, it. Oh, no, it's going to be on Sci-Fi at 8 p.m. this Sunday, August the 19th. Man, Sci-Fi went from, like, trying to do, like, really meaningful yeah. science you remember fiction. Yeah, I fucking love yeah, Alphas. Me too. They went from trying really hard to just embracing the fact that they're a low-budget science fiction yep. show. Just had the cheese. That's <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to be cheesy. And that's what it is. This is what we can afford. I this is what it. we can do. <laughs> this is what we're going to give you. I imagine that moment happening. Some executive in the room going like, fuck it. Fuck it. Yep. Fuck it. We're doing Sharknado. <laughs> we're fucking doing it. And we're going to make money. Yeah. Fuck this. And yep. then he storms off the room yeah. and slams the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just like imagine like the agony that he's in. He's like, "What the fuck did I just do? I'm about to get fired." <laughs> he goes home. He's just drinking himself to death. And then like a few a few weeks later, somebody's pounding on the door. Hey, it's a huge hit. He's like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> what? And then like they want the three fuck? more. They just ordered three more. Of this. They're like, "What?" Fucking kills himself on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because, like, you would have to imagine, like, he, he had been trying to make very respectable things for the past 20 years of his life. And then he was just like, oh, fuck it, fuck it, here. This is what they want. This is the kind of bullshit that they want here. And then he throws it out there, and it sticks. And he's like, what the fuck? One fucking truck's in a tornado. Fine. Trucks in Saratoga here. God, that movie's fucking ridiculous. Yes. I oh love man. it. Uh, but that's this Sunday, August the 19th. Uh, the last and uh, certainly least is uh, Monday, August the 20th. The 2018 MTV Music Awards. Oh, fuck. That's still a thing? I forgot that. That's still a thing, yeah. yeah. That's uh, going to be on MTV at 8 p.m. this Monday. I don't know who's hosting. Yeah, um, I was just going to ask, because that really depends on the host. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not going to check for it yeah. in any kind of way. But I'm sure it's going to be on your timeline and uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And it will be. They'll, you'll see all about it. So yeah. that's that. Siri will tell you about it. Oh, yeah, definitely will. 
Um, let's see. So in movies, that's it for television. In movies, the first one we got is Billionaire Boys Club. That is the most obnoxious movie title I've heard in a while. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound great. <laughs> it's it's rated R, 108 minute runtime, listed as a biography drama thriller. A group of wealthy boys in Los Angeles during the 1980s establish a get rich quick scam that turns deadly. Uh, directed by James Cox, is starring Kevin Spacey and Emma Roberts. I believe this is one of those movies they're just trying to bury and not get much much publicity because uh, Kevin Spacey, they had already made the movie with him. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we got to put it out, but let's just like not Who promote it. I mean, at least the one that did the Kevin Spacey movie that literally replaced him. Yeah. Hold um, on, yeah. So, yeah. what? Who's in this? Uh, Emma Roberts, oh, Kevin okay. Spacey. Oh, Kevin Spacey's in this. Oh, okay. yeah. That'll be. That'll yeah. Be weird. They're just trying to bury that one. Yeah. I doubt you'll see much publicity for that. Uh, the next thing is uh, The Wife. It's uh, got a re-release. It's rated R, uh, 100 minutes is a drama, 80 Metascore. A wife questions her life choices as she travels to Stockholm with her husband, where he is slated to receive the Nobel Prize for Literature. Uh, Christian Slater and Glenn Close are in this. So, um, Christian Slater? Hmm, yeah. I like Christian Slater. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, I forgot his face for a second. Yeah. Christian Slater, Glenn Close, so I'm like, yeah, I would check that out. Probably not. Well, oh, it's, a de- it's a decent rating. 80 Metascore. Yeah. I mean, if I if I come across it in my life and I see the name The Wife, may check that out. Percy Rich Asians. That is a book. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah adapted into a movie now. Uh, that's the next movie that's going to be coming out this weekend. Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. It's a PG-13 movie with a 120-minute runtime, a comedy romance. Uh, this contemporary mu- uh, romantic comedy based on a global bestseller follows the native New York Rachel Chu to Singapore to meet her boyfriend's family. Uh, director John M. Chu, uh, starring Michelle Yeo. Do you, can you pronounce it? Constance Wu, Michelle Yeo. Yeo. Uh, Yeo. Yeah. Henry Golding Yeo? and uh, Gemma Chan or Chan. Yeah. Um, I believe this is going to be a huge, huge, huge movie. Um, I've been seeing things about it on um on uh, social media, mm-hmm. and I don't think people understand like how big Asian culture is in the United States now. Like you know, it is huge in the U.S. and I believe also we have a shitload of Asians. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's a huge, a lot of Asians. You know, so it's like I, I believe that this movie is going to do huge. Um, with the, the book Asian is market. fantastic. Like yeah. I, I keep hearing amazing things about the book. Yeah. Um. So hopefully the movie's good. Who directed it? Uh, John M. Chu. John M. Chu. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. Uh, the next movie coming out is Mile 22. <laughs> Mile 22 is rated R, a 95-minute runtime, and it's an action thriller. An elite American intelligence officer, aided by a top-secret tactical command unit, tries to smuggle a mysterious police officer with sensitive information out of the country. Uh, director Peter Berg and his stars Lauren Cohen, Mark Wahlberg, Ronda Rousey, and John Malkovich. Wait, Ronda Rousey's in it? Ronda John Ralph? Malkovich is in John it? John Malkovich is in it. Fucking Mila Jovovich is in this. Yeah. She's in. The, she's like the second face they show in the trailer. Oh, really? Why is she not billed? Yeah, I mean, she's like probably like the fifth person billed. She, she must not have much uh, face time in the I entire guess, movie. I guess, yeah. They, they put her in almost every shot in that fucking trailer. Yeah, trying to sell yeah, her. That's the, uh, that's the lady from Underworld? No, no that's she's Resident uh, Evil. I know what she escaped back inside. She's the uh, Resident Evil. Jovovich is Resident Evil, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, she's fucking gorgeous. Yes, she's she is. She's very acting movies. All right. Uh, also, Matt Damon. Excited to see him in another movie. <laughs> 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 Matt Damon will be in another action movie, <laughs> Mile 22. Is it, does it look, did it look any good? It looked, it didn't look bad. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not giving it credit, but I'm not taking away from it. Like right. It looked, it looked like, okay, with Mission Impossible 6, mm coming out and yeah. that having amazing reviews yeah it'll probably get buried under mission impossible mm-hmm. 6 but it, it looked like if you just want to watch a movie with somebody that doesn't watch 
a lot of movies. Yeah. This is the movie that you might want to pick. Okay. Yeah, it look it looks pretty decent. I couldn't tell like what what it was because like I see Mark Wahlberg and Ronda Rousey, so I'm like, is this like a cheese shit fest? And then I seen John Malkovich attached, so I'm like, well, he only gets involved with like you know good type things. Yeah. So I'm like, what is? I don't know. So <laughs> the trailer made it look like it was like a just like a pure action type thing. Okay. But it's got John Malkovich in it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so I don't really want to think I, I don't want to think that it's a pure action movie yeah. it's, it's a weird it's a weird cast okay. i'm interested just by cast alone Me too. yeah um is that it is that, that it, it for movie installation yeah. Yeah. Crap. yeah uh just i just wanted to bring up real quick because i forgot to bring it up in the intro mm-hmm. um did you hear about the guardians of the galaxy thing with, oh, james, with gunn? james gunn and yeah. uh yeah uh, david batista is that yeah. gonna be a saying that he's not gonna you know come back to guardians of the galaxy if they don't use the james gunn script mm-hmm that is fucking insane. Yeah. A, a Twitter joke that he made eight years ago made all of this happen. Uh, not not at one tw- Twitter joke. It was multiple. L- like from 2007 to 2013, like I went back and like read the jokes, yeah. and there's like eleven of them mm-hmm. that are directly like pedophilia jokes. Right. Yeah. But yeah. like I was because I, I didn't want I wanted to like read it in context. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's like all right, if and and some of them was just some weird stuff, but yeah. it's just. I don't. I don't mind dark humor. I yeah. don't mind dark humor. But if you're can, all of your dark humor is directly directly towards kids. Yeah. You know, it's not. You know, raping someone's grandmother is not. You know, it's just always. I, the I kids. agree that it's a weird, fucked up thing to happen. Um, but and, it was and and, and I'm sorry. And yeah. just like I think, like our president's a scumbag, mm-hmm. but he'll say something that he believes, and then like if I if I want to go back and check out his scumbagness, yeah. I can go on Twitter, and then it's still right there. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it's like whenever you say those things, like why for from 2007 2013, and he was they were able to do Guardians one and two, mm-hmm. and he deleted those things well before because he's like, oh shit, I'm yeah, in a different just, position. Yeah, I don't want those things back to fo- following me behind right. me. So it's like I think in his mind he knew that that was a little too far, mm-hmm. and just in my mind seeing like why don't why are you continually joking about kids but over he, and over? My my biggest thing is just like I don't condone the jokes, I don't support the jokes. No. I don't, I'm not even that huge of a fan of James Gunn yeah. to be honest. The thing that fucking got to me for the whole story is that sure there were off base jokes, there were bad yeah. jokes and whatever, but he apologized for those jokes yeah. way before he did Guardians. Mm-hmm. And it's on record that he apologized yeah. and he acknowledges the poor taste of the jokes Definitely and just like, I'm sorry, I, I grew as a person, I know they're not cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened. Yeah. But uh, the fact that someone dug it up after two successful movies, oh yeah, like eight years later? Yes, they definitely will. What the fuck? It's like outrage culture, just looking for people look, people to get angry at. At all times. And it's, it's absolutely fucking disgusting. It's the weaponization of outrage culture. It's just like they're using your maturity as a person against you yeah. when you're successful to take that away from you. Yeah. And I found that absolutely disgusting. It's like I, I, I'm okay with like the um like public judging, but you mm-hmm. can't you can't actually make someone lose their job from public opinion. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like we didn't find kitty porn on his computer. Right. We didn't find that he, you know, actually broke the law in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. So it's like he shouldn't have lost his job. And I'm with David Batista of, you know, wanting to leave the show if they don't allow his script, you know, yeah. at the very least his script, you know, to be used. So it's like they went a little bit too far when, you know, kicking him off. Right, totally. and I think it's I think it's one of those things where like also companies like corporations mm. they just want to please everybody yeah. that's gonna make them money. Yeah. So like for them it makes sense to like just please the general audience yeah. and lose they James Gunn, yeah. who has made them a lot of money. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I I I just think it's ridiculous that these corporations have no real balls to mm. hold on to, no real sort of 
I don't want to say balls, that's sexist language, mm. but sort of they have no real guts yeah. to hold on to the people that have made them money and support the people that have yep. given them the empire that they're currently standing yeah. on. Yeah. And it's fucking disgusting, and yeah. I hate it. And I don't agree with James Gunn's jokes at Not all. Jokes, I think no. they're gross. Yeah. But I agree, James Gunn, growing as a person, acknowledging those jokes were shitty, mm. apologizing yeah. for those jokes, and now they're being used against them because some fucking cunt on Twitter found them? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's it's annoying. It's upsetting. And I hate the wa- the fact that uh, outrage culture has done that. It's fucking disgusting. To the point where, like, same thing happened with um with Chris Hardwick uh, not too long ago. It's just I, I understand like public criticism, mm-hmm. but to the point of losing your job, you know, See, when, <sighs> when the law hasn't been broken. Right, hasn't been, he was he was already not involved with Nerdist. Like he already didn't. No, have no, no not the Nerdist thing. I mean, that's they disassociated themselves. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, the Talking Dead. Now they've completely removed him from that and the panels when they do Comic Con. Oh right. And uh, brought in. Um, I can't believe remember her name. She was on the Community Black Lady. Yeah, but yeah. Just no, like no, to no, the no. point of like losing your job. Mm-hmm. Like I understand like just us seeing these people and not you know wanting to associate ourselves with their brand. But if you haven't broken the law, you know, similar to a uh, James Gunn, mm-hmm. and he's so apologetic for these things and realize that he's grown and he's so far past that. But right. you know retroactively what are you going to retroactively do about that you can't make take their job away in the yeah i think i think there's a difference in context between gone and hardwick uh mostly because just because i don't think hardwick in any way shape or form addressed any of the things yes he has yes Uh, that's that's what's sad about it is just when the negative thing comes out and then it has so much impact it's coming at you at 100 miles an hour that doesn't come out during the me too Yes. Thing. Yeah. And, and yeah. Chloe Dextra wrote a really poignant essay. Oh about yes, it, it went everywhere. Yeah. So it's so powerful. But then anything that's coming out to um, show Chris Hardwick's point of view is just is not with the same firepower. And something yeah. w- about Anthony Anderson came out last week too, and it's just who the fuck is Anthony Anderson? Who's Anthony Anderson? The black guy is very funny. He's kind of fat guy. Uh, he's been in. Um, was he the, the Good Burger guy? Nah, uh, no. White Castle. You ever see White Castle? Maybe. Um, he's in um, a blackish Kangaroo Jack. They might be Kangaroo Jack. Kangaroo I haven't Jack, seen Kangaroo, Kangaroo Jack, but that yeah, sounds yeah. like something he would have been in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, not him. Yeah. I know who that is. Yeah, he was accused of something recently, but it's just you'll you'll hear something negative attached to someone's name, and then for the mass public, they'll whenever that name comes back up, they they think of that negative thing. Right. But it's just the the, the thing that 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 fixes that that you don't they don't have that same energy coming back yeah. out. So it's just also yeah. I feel like the, sorry I feel like the tonality of like James Gunn bit mm-hmm. versus what Chris Hardwick is being talked about. Mm-hmm. James Gunn made jokes on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Chloe Dextra is talking about physical uh, and mental abuse. I mean, yeah, it's entirely different. It, they're, they're different things, but it's like I feel I, I, that those jokes yeah. that he's saying. I don't know, maybe because I have a kid, but it's right. like I wouldn't even be so mad at you know making a having a pedophile joke. Right. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not one to censor language, you know, yeah, whatsoever, yeah, yeah. you know. But it's just the fact that over years and years, and we just see a pattern of why, like I said, why not raping someone's old grandmother? Mm-hmm. Why not give AIDS to you know? It's like within your joke structure. It's just yeah, every yeah. single punchline has to deal with. I like, know exactly what you're saying. Like, you I understand. Know, what you're like, saying. why is your mind yeah. there all the time? Type of thing. Yeah. But know? just the gr- the gravity of the two acts, from telling a joke to like being accused of like abusing somebody mentally and physically, mm-hmm. it seems it seems like one. Not of physically. There was no physical abuse. There was sexual abuse. Mm. I read the essay. The es- the essay yeah. mentioned things about sexual abuse, and like uh, sort of like rapish situations. Rapish. She never she never called them. A sexual abuser, yeah. But in the the indication of what I read on the essay, alluded to impli- a lot of some implied. Um, yeah, it alluded to a lot of sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, by by clo- like it, I, I just think the gravity of the situations are so drastically different mm. that I think 
I'm okay with Chris Hardwick having lost those three shows mm. um, versus James Gunn having lost his movie because of a like it's just such different gravitational shifts. I don't. It's just. Yeah. It, I guess mine is to the point to where like if you if you're caught breaking the law like. I don't know. It's just if if these if the things that someone is doing is true and you have broken the law, then immediate you got to get them the fuck out of there. But yeah. to the point to where like public opinion, I I'm, I have a hard time. I mean, I I, I, I sort of understand your objection that sort of situation. Yeah. I'm allowing a bit more subjective point of view, yeah. um, just because like being called out for sexual abuse and mental abuse is completely different than like saying jokes for five years. Uh, I think, but I, I guess, yeah, I, I guess like I'll, the line yeah. I was trying to go to was like I was starting to like, are these jokes? Is what where I was going with? No, no, no. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I, I, I know. Yeah. I know they're trying to thought. Yeah. But so far, like they have been nothing but jokes. That's that's so, that's what I'm saying. So you can't, you yeah. shouldn't have to lose your job for something that is just. It, you seem like a sleazy, terrible person. Mm-hmm. But like, if can we prove that? And if we can, then let's do it and put you under the jail and right. take everything from you. You know, it's like I feel the same thing about Chris Hardwick. It's like mm-hmm. if you are a mental and s- a sexual abuser and mm-hmm. that, if we can prove that, then fuck yes. Let's take his job. Let's take his w- name away right. from nerdists. Let's put him under the jail and let's treat you like the terrible human being that yeah. you are. You know, but until then, it's just like. I feel that. It just I, 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 I just feel like with Chris Hardwick, there was a lot more emotional sort of baggage that had to be dealt with. And then, like, I think, I don't know. I, I support the decision to bring with Chris Hardwick. I'd like Aziz Ansari. The you know. Aziz Ansari, yeah, that was another thing. Um, yeah. You know, is it? I'm saying it's a long. I don't list. have a point. I don't have a point. Is what I'm saying. It's just, you know? Know. it just, it just, it just sucks. That like, like I just, I just hate to see when their people are losing their jobs. Just because, like I said, yeah. I can see something similar with us now. That in ten years from now, you know, and, and there's no telling the people that we become. You know, in a yeah, ten year yeah. time span, and then and and how society will change in a ten year time span. Mm-hmm. And then just look about, look at the things that we're joking about, and things, some of the things that we've said, and then to lose an opportunity that we're, you know, yeah. worked years and years for to lose our job over I mean, yeah, jokes, yeah. you know. So it's like I, I understand. It's like if you if you don't like us, mm-hmm. if you don't like something, then okay, you can think what you want to think about us. Mm-hmm. But it's just I don't, I don't like that's that's why I'm at with like with the job yeah. thing, you know. I also th- I also think that the the way that both cases manifest into the public are entirely different. For like Chloe Dijkstra wrote that essay, and she ne- she never mentioned anybody by name, and her purpose is just to get a thing out, and sort of was a dodge of the Me Too movement, you know, sort of drawing that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but James Gunn, someone hunted down those things with the express purpose mm-hmm. of fucking him over. Oh yeah, uh, and I think that's a different that's a different tonality. I think because one is like using the weaponization of outrage culture. One is a consequence of someone expressing how they felt during the time of a relationship. You know, and I think that's a difference for me. I, I th- like the weaponization of outrage culture towards James Gunn is really fucked. And mm-hmm. and so like sure if he did something, get him the fuck out. Like yes. a, like a you know, whatever. Yeah. Um but I don't know. It's just that, that aspect of weaponization that has me flustered about the entire thing. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's, yeah. Tear, it's tearing down a number of people. Like I said, yeah. it's just, it's unfortunate. It's hard to have a hard stance, you know, for me, but it's just, it's, it's, all, it's hard. Anyway, uh, that was all good thing. Uh, thanks for that show. That was a nice nice little shot. Nice little oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. Little, nice little tangent there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is all good things, and uh, you can find us on Twitter or underscore FFS Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the FFS Podcast, and you can uh, 
you can find us on iTunes, mu- iTunes Podcast app, Google Play Music app, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else that you can find a podcast in. And then, uh, what was the last thing? My personal Twitter handle is at Brian Achilla. I'm at T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey, and that's it for today's episode. Watch all the good things. I think it's a fantastic uh, sort of thriller drama type thing. And I think you should enjoy it. Uh, see you guys next episode.